welcome to Wheel Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks and Lance Ellington, and this is the Dutch Grand Prix race preview. If you haven't listened to any of our race previews before, this one's going to be pretty similar. We're going to jump into storylines, kind of all the happenings in F1 going into this race. We're coming off of a back-to-back after Spa. After storylines, we're going to jump into interesting facts led by Tanner. Uh, usually he does some two truths and a lie. Lance and I are kind of okay at it, starting to get better. I, th- I think we're on an upward trend. After two truths and a lie, we're going to get a weather forecast from Tanner Tumbleweed Hicks. And then following the weather forecast, we're going to jump over to our quality surprises, whether it's a surprise entrance or a surprise exit. After that, we're going to go into betting props, props from Lance Big Bookie Ellington. And finally, we'll wrap it up with our podium predictions. Spoiler alert. I feel like this one guy, Max Verstappen, might be on all of ours. Uh, but before we jump into our kind of storylines for the race, Lance Tanner, how you doing? Doing good. Coming off of the Belgian Grand Prix, which was a nice, a nice way to get back into Formula One after after summer break. I thought it was a pretty enjoyable race all around. My team didn't have the results that I wanted, but still plenty of overtaking and a lot of storylines coming out, especially uh, the Ferrari strategy issues. But then headed into Labor Day weekend, which is exciting. Don't have a ton of big plans. So it'll be nice just to get to watch this race. It was really exciting last year getting back on the calendar. And I'm excited for it again. Tanner, we, we missed you in the reaction. How are you doing? I missed you guys too. It was such a fun race and one that I really, really wanted to record. But unfortunately, life is moving way too fast to record a podcast as much as I'd like to right now so this is kind of unfortunate but you know we'll see how it all comes going forward but i am good i have lots of things to unpack about the belgian grand prix and i'll take my 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 podium as you will uh to announce those thoughts now now first i'll address the elephant of the room on behalf of the wheel to wheel f1 podcast i do have to issue an apology for my foolhardy and and unfortunate statement that Ferrari was the fastest Formula One car on the grid, <laughs> faster than the Red Bull car. Not only was it a a rushed and not well thought out statement, but it, it was also one made from a Stephen A. Smith type mindset. And I want to I want to address that. Now, there are two there are two qualities about me. That, that are very different. One of them you just witnessed, and that was humility. The next one is maybe not as, as great of a quality, and that is stubbornness. And for that reason, keep in mind this is somewhat a bit, for that reason, I will go as far to say that although the Red Bull car may be ultimately faster, and my statement was stupid, it was a biased sample size because the ferrari does not have strong fast line straight line speed but the red bull does and spa is one of the most straight line speed heavy tracks and so it wasn't even fair to compare them at that track if we're really being honest and i would be i would be remiss if i if i didn't 
if I didn't make that known. And I just, I got to be true to myself. Humble sometimes, stubborn most. So. Except the apology. I yeah. don't, the reporter in me has a follow-up question. Will you strive to be better? Of course. <laughs> of course. That, to, to say that there is a ceiling for me is an exaggeration. One that only people without sight of the full picture and and imagination would do. There is no ceiling for me. My ceiling is is the roof. unimaginable. <laughs> no, my ceiling is not the roof. Ceiling is the roof. No, my ceiling is is untapped because my capabilities are are extraordinary. And I will strive to not only bring facts and logic to each of my ar- arguments, but also an amount of foresight that is that is borderline psychic in all of my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I really wasn't expecting that, Lance. You know, we talked about wanting an apology from Tanner, and I thought it was just going to be a simple, you were right, I was wrong thing that was awesome that was crazy yeah i don't your your apology makes me want to not get things wrong because my apology will not live up to what yours was so like you you, in a in a loop weird around way inspired me to have better takes just to avoid having to follow up that apology i exude charisma It's, it's as simple as that i wake up in the morning and i piss excellence it's as simple as that. Right. I got to give you props. I love the original quotes here. I'm like taking notes, putting it. I'm, I'm writing it on my mirror in the morning to see every day. This is, this is great stuff. Yeah. You know, there's oh, yeah. no chance that this was, that, that this came from anything that you've watched before, or maybe seen on the interwebs. No, I use no reference or inspiration. It's purely my own creativity to come up with any of these brilliant statements. Yeah. I mean, because that's who you speaking, are, right? Speaking, speaking humbly, my brilliant statements. Well, <laughs> we appreciate the apology. What other reactions do you have, though? Because it was a great race, and you did it, miss a lot of good stuff, particularly from Alpine, your favorite team. But what else do you got for us? It, it was such a fun race. Alpine were extremely impressive. Alcon was was one of the more fun drivers to watch during that race, or if not just two moments of his were great moments to watch. Um, and that made me eternally happy. Um, from another standpoint, you guys really hit it on the nose. I can't figure out for the life of me how Pierre Gasly got P9, but it was so impressive. <laughs> See, I don't understand it at all. Like, I was, I watched the whole race, and I don't, I don't think they missed showing a bunch of his overtakes. I think he just strategy-wise beat out everybody else, and it it was crazy to me. Um, And then the only other thing that I want that I want to comment on is you guys' discussion about Pierre Gasly versus Daniel Ricciardo. I'll be short on that, but Pierre Gasly showed flashes last race of what he was last year and what he was last year was a highly, highly regarded driver and certainly one of the one of the drivers with the the greatest um, expectations going forward. I think 
after last year, Pierre Gasly was regarded as one of the top seven or eight drivers in the entire grid. Um, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. And I think he brought flashes of it last weekend. And it was really encouraging. And as an Alpine fan who might, might, might get him for next year, I'm I'm super excited that he's not a shell of what he was last season anymore. Um, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I could go on for hours about uh, the Belgian Grand Prix, but I don't want to beat a dead horse with all the great stuff that you guys put out in the 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 House of Red Bull podcast. <laughs> Yeah, definitely check out the House of Red Bull if you'd missed our reaction to the Belgian Grand Prix. But I think those are some fair statements, Tanner. I'll, we need to save it for another episode in case it happens. But it'd be fun to react to some of these new driver pairings if we end up with an Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris and a Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon and start comparing how we, how we think these driving pairings are against each other. But I do have a question for you, Noah, because some information came out after the Grand Prix around what caused some of Charles Leclerc's heartache and issues. We got that shortly after we finished recording, so we didn't have it on the episode. But can you talk about a little bit what happened there and then how are you feeling about it all? Yeah, sure. So one thing that we haven't talked about, maybe we could have covered in one of our um, Formula One 101 courses is that drivers have these things on their visors called tear-offs. Essentially, it's like the, the case that comes over any electronic thing that protects the screen, right? And so there are multiple tear-offs on a visor. You rip one up if you get dust or dirt all over it from cars in front of you. So after the incidents in lap one, um, Max Verstappen ripped off a tear off like a driver normally does and, and, and threw it onto the track. This got caught up in uh, Charles Leclerc's tire and messed up his brakes for that tire. And so that was what forced his, his early pit. Then later on when Ferrari made the decision uh, to, to pit again, to try and get a fast slap, which was unimportant. Um, they, they decided to pit and the, um, sensor or, or, or the, the system that is the pit limiter that slows the car down to 80 kilometers an hour was not working, uh, because of the overheating and issues caused by the tear off that Max were stopping through. And so there were, there were two big issues that were caused. Obviously, the pit issue wouldn't have happened if Ferrari hadn't decided to try and nab fastest lap, which was just the stupidest thing ever. Uh, but, yeah, so that's what happened. Um, I don't understand. I, I know it's a common thing. I get it. But, like, I don't understand how that's not a penalty. I, I really don't get it you're telling me that a driver can rip something off of his helmet, throw it onto the middle of the track. It can potentially get caught up in a car and screw up a guy's race. And that's not a penalty. I don't get it. I, again, I, I think these tear offs are designed to disintegrate uh, after, after like certain amount of heat. And so it was, it was ultimately just very unfortunate, but like, I don't, I don't get how that's not a penalty. 
I, I really don't understand. And I, I haven't seen anyone make the case that it should be a penalty. So I must be missing something, but like he had his race thrown off by Max Verstappen. Like, I, I, I don't get it. In the nicest way, one, I, I don't think, I think part of it is because we haven't been following the sport long enough to have a full understanding of this type of thing. Um, and two, I think, and this isn't something anybody wants to hear. If I had to guess, I would say the rule book on this type of thing is massively, massively underdeveloped. The reason that we see so many harsh penalties for breaching track limits is because it's something that happens in, in a significant amount of races. So it's hyper analyzed and, and the rules on it are hyper developed to make sure that they're punishing drivers for, for consistent infringements. And honestly, because this is such a regular thing, but because the issue is so rare, I had to guess, I would say the rule makers just haven't thought of it. And, and so they don't have a penalty to give because they haven't thought about it, which, which sucks, but that's the reality of sports sometimes. I get it. it. I'm just frustrated. And like, even if he got a penalty, it wouldn't, wouldn't have meant anything. If it was a five second penalty, he still wins the race. But I, I want to be angry at something beyond the situation because that's not even Ferrari's fault. Normally I get to blame Ferrari in this situation or in, in the early pit situation. I, I don't even get to blame Ferrari. And I think if Charles Leclerc isn't forced to take a, a pit under that safety car, which is, you know, under a safety car, you lose about 10, 15 seconds for a pit uh, without that. I think he has a chance to challenge for fifth place. And yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It makes me sad. The funny thing too, is the pit speeding, like he was going 81 and he didn't have a sensor. Uh, it's just uh, <laughs> like what rules are rules. Noah, that's an overdeveloped. Leave it, leave it for karma. All right. Karma's yeah. going to come back and maybe they'll get Red Bull or, or Max Verstappen after what happened. That, that'll that yeah. be your, uh, your satisfying. And, and I'll, I'll kind of come back saying the pits, pit lane speed limit rule is a good rule. That needs to exist. If you're going faster <laughs> in there with engineers running around, you're putting lives or body parts at risk. So that's a good rule. Don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I <laughs> that's what happened. I'm upset about it. Charles is upset about it. Ferrari's a joke. I, 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 Benotto needs to be fired. We've oh. we've harped on Ferrari a lot. I'm sure they're hoping for a much better uh, weekend upcoming. I assume neither, since Leclerc just took some of his engine components and penalties, he won't be doing that this time around. So hopefully, starting in a top three spot on the grid, I imagine. Carlos Sainz, I imagine if he is going to take some penalties, probably going to wait until Monza, so not at this track either. So I'm looking forward to see what they can do starting closer to the front again. And also some of these other drivers like Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Botas, after doing some of these engine component changes, heck, even Pierre Gasly, seeing what he was able to do from a pit lane start with the changes that he had. That's what I'm looking out for going into this race. Tanner, do you? Do you have anything there? 
there's so much to look at going into this race. Zandvoort's such a neat track with some of the things that they do. So more than anything else, I'm just looking forward to them racing there. It's one of my favorite races to watch because of some of the turns. They're just, it, it's unlike any other Formula One track in a lot of ways. And I'm I'm so excited to see turn one because it's, it, it it's, it's a vaulted turn. It's so much fun to watch. Turn one um, is like NAS. It's like a NASCAR turn built into a Formula One track. It's like it's like motocross. Like it, it might as well be a their their consistent MotoGP track, but like you know, just Formula One cars, which is so cool. I'm I'm so excited for the for the track itself. It's not always you know a significant overtaking track, but like just from like the interest the interest intriguing factor of some of the turns and some of the scenery around it all is so much fun I, I i'm more than anything else i'm excited for that but from an f1 standpoint i would say the one of the biggest storylines i'm looking forward to um is the mercedes bounce back i think so many people including me expected them to come out of summer break with a car competing for not just podiums but victories um, and, and they came out flat for all of last weekend. George Russell had a great race, but George and Lewis both had honestly pretty crappy qualifying sessions. And then obviously Lewis crashed out in lap one. So, you know, <laughs> with all things considered a, a terrible weekend for Mercedes, if you're saying one of your drivers got points and the other one couldn't get a podium with Charles Leclerc outside the top five. So all that to say, disappointing return to, from summer with for Mercedes, but I think this is a track that they could excel a lot more at. Um, so I'm interested to see if, if if some of the upgrades that they made are actually going to put them in a place where they can compete with Ferrari and Red Bull in a very, very real way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see how mercedes shows up um i don't know what to expect i i I really don't i think you know they could be i think they'll be fighting for a podium spot because they always seem to be um after like the first five races or so they've competed for a podium spot in every race but it's usually down to a team error or driver error right so so we'll see how it goes um, because I don't think that they have the pure pace in any case. Yeah, last weekend was uh, unexpected for me as well, Tanner, with them. And I think Lewis Hamilton also was a little caught off guard at the pace of that Mercedes in comparison to the Red Bull and Ferrari. I remember he had a quote on like the Friday going into the weekend. He was like, we're here to cause chaos on the grid. We're going to you know, do some crazy things. And then after Saturday, he's like, all right, let's let's focus on the 2023 car. Like I'm I've had it. And then on Sunday, he gets knocked out in the first lap. So a mix of emotions for Mercedes as a whole, and specifically Lewis Hamilton. One thing I am expecting is another top five finish by George Russell. I wish that was something we could bet on and get plus odds on, but it's gonna be minus odds every time because I I I don't question George Russell anymore. I did at the start of the season, and that's what I expect from him now. 
Yeah, and I think that's fair. Like, George continues to, depending on how you've looked at him prior to this season, either meet or massively exceed expectations. Um, he's been great all year, and that's not an exaggeration. Like, he had a very strong race in, in Belgium and just continues to be a strong driver and proving him to, himself to being one of the best drivers on the grid, which is, is always just a point in the right direction for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I, I think this will be an interesting race. I don't think too much will change from, from uh, what we just saw in spa, but overall I think it's going to be a completely different track with completely different setups. So it, it, we might see some different results. Um I know we saw like eight teams in the points or something like that. Maybe seven teams in the points in spa, which was great. I always love seeing that many teams in the points. So we'll see if we can replicate that again. Yeah. Would be, would be nice to see that again. Don't know if I'd count on it. I will say for anyone who's new to the sport or didn't get to watch this grand prix last year, this is a, this track plays very well on TV. It's very enjoyable to watch, even if there isn't a ton of action as far as crashes, strategy incidents, overtakes. I, I found this to be one of the more enjoyable races that came through good on TV. I think Formula One does a good job with covering their sport, but this track in particular, I was pretty happy with. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there are a lot of tracks that I'm just excited to get to, too. Oh, we didn't get a chance to see Sao Paulo last year and that's going to be a very fun race. It's one of the best tracks for overtaking on the entire grid. And I'm, I'm so excited to see it this year. I think it's going to be a spectacle. So, so, so much to come with all these good circuits, like, and, and Monza too, like they, they have a packed circuit schedule this year and it's just exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. And, 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 you know, the hope goes that they keep all of those exciting tracks like Zandvoort, like Spa, um and i i would say like uh like paul ricard but that's not happening so so you know all that to say as much fun as vegas and miami are i hope they continue to to honor some of these classic circuits with really really cool sceneries and and uh landscapes yeah agreed agreed yeah and i i think they just have an awesome fan base too seemed really electric throughout the whole race so yeah looking forward to the transition into Zandvoort another kind of historic track not not quite as historic as Spa it's tough to get there but definitely a cool one yeah I I don't I don't really have any big storylines it's such a quick turnaround since the last race you guys have anything else before we jump into our two truths and a lie I don't think so. I mean, it's a good way to put it. Like the, everything is happening fast with back to back to back races. There's just a ton going on. So not, not a lot of super changes between weeks. Oh, the, the one thing bring up that we could have covered last week, but we didn't is we will be having a change of some teams on the grid. We are getting a new entrance. I think is it in 2026 no, you want to you wanna add some color there? Yeah, we have Audi entering the, uh, the sport. They're going to be the engine supplier for 
um, what will have been Alfa Romeo. They, I think they purchased a little, like just over 50% of Sauber's F1 team. And, uh, and so it'll be Audi Sauber or Sauber Audi or something like that. Um, and, and so now Valtteri Bottas is going to be around when, when Audi comes into the sport. So, so he might have been playing chess when, when he signed this, what, five-year deal, I think with Alfa Romeo. Uh, so I think he's set. I, I, I think this is a really cool opportunity. Anytime a team becomes the primary constructor using that that manufacturer's engine that elevates their their potential peak so much higher in my eyes so i think it's a really awesome entrance to the sport will be sad to see alfa romeo go i think it's it's really cool to have them around as kind of a historic car brand so uh hopefully they uh i don't know find find their their place somewhere else but excited to see Audi join in. It'll be so cool. Thank you for bringing that up, Lance, because that's super important to the sport. And I'm going to miss Alfa Romeo because I think it's one of the cooler car brands out there, but I don't think Formula One is going to miss it that much. It was only, it's only going to have been around for at that point, like five years. So it's not the end of the world from a history standpoint in Formula One, but Audi is you know, a, a high, high, high performance car brand. It's German engineering, which, you know, German engineering. So, <laughs> uh, so no, it, it'll be really exciting to see them join the grid. Yeah, no, that'll be a good shout. But other than that, I think that's all we really got going on in Formula One right now. There's a lot of other things we could speculate on, but I would much rather jump into our true truths and unlie, Tanner, if you're ready. All right. Well, this is now the 14th, 15th, 15th, 15th rendition of two truths and a lie coming in to the Dutch Grand Prix. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I had to uh, I had to put this together a little bit last minute. So not as much, you know, crazy, crazy research coming into this one. So bear with me. But for my first Truth or lie, I have that Zandvoort as a circuit has hosted 31 races so far in its history. That puts it inside the top 10 for circuits to host the most races in Formula One history. So again, the the truth or lie is that they're in the top 10. I'm not gonna lie about 31 races, but um is that they're in the top 10 for most raced tracks. Next one I have for you. Historical man in the sport. As he's featured in a fantastic movie. He tragically passed away a few years ago. Nicky Lauda in 1985 won the final victory of his Formula One career here at Zandvoort. So that's the next one. The final one. In 2021. Max Verstappen won the Dutch Grand Prix, becoming the first ever Dutchman to win the Dutch Grand Prix. The last person to win a Grand Prix at their home 
track, their home track, the, the, that home track being the having the first time anybody has ever won there, if that makes any sense. I think I know what you're saying. So, okay, but I'll, I'll finish it and then I'll explain a little bit more. Was Pastor Maldonado to come home with the Spanish Grand Prix in 1998. That was the last time somebody won their home Grand Prix for the first time. So what I mean is like Silverstone, for example, Jim Clark was, is one of the most decorated British drivers of all time, but he won his home Grand Prix in like the sixties. And so Silverstone was immediately off that track, but for historical tracks and somebody getting their home Grand Prix win, the most recent time for somebody to introduce a home Grand Prix win was 1998 Pastor Maldonado at the Spanish Grand Prix. That's not part of the truth or lie though, right? It's just Max Verstappen. No, that, that, that's the truth or lie. Oh, that that was the first one since then? Yes. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Okay. There's some good these are some good ones that you've that you've teed up for us here. I know on that last point that we're going through, I did know that Max Verstappen was the first uh to do it to win there. So that that puts me back to my history of Formula One, which isn't as rich as I would like. So that's why I'm mulling over there. In that second one. I do know we haven't raced at Zandervoort since 1985, which fully keeps sneaking out an in play for that as the possibility. And that's that's just Nicky Lauda's like the that was his last race when that it was here, right? Okay. So we have that one, and then the first one was what was what was it? It was like top ten in races here. Yeah, yeah, Zandvoort is one of the top 10 most raced at circuits. Interesting. All right, so I don't know which one you want to start with, Lance. I think maybe we can do popular circuits, I guess. Yeah, let's do that. Th- that that might have been raced at more. Uh, so, so Spa and Silverstone are two um i would guess that monaco monaco yeah is a good one um that's three um i really don't know to be honest i I mean there there could be a lot that are are more popular and a lot that aren't yeah Um, what What's tough is we're thinking tracks because some of these Grand Prix will stay with the name and it'll just move circuits. And I think as, as I'm trying to work through these like different tracks or Grand Prix, that's what's tripping me up. Yeah, bit. I mean, there's Monza, which definitely beats it. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I think I buy it. I don't know. I don't have any reason not to. I think maybe there are other tracks like interlagos or or something like that that might beat it out but i i don't know that there are more than 10 there could be i i, I don't know um tanner teed it up is like a, a very we're coming from a super historic race and spa to it something else that's pretty historic and since he had that research and he knows that 
I'm going to factor that True. in and say he knows it's a top 10. And if Context it was going to be on the out, if it was going to be on the outside, he wouldn't have used the word historic. That's that's where I'm at with that. So that's I gonna like be a, that. that's a truth for me. I'm unlock that as as one of the true ones. I like that. I think the other one, Nikki Lauda, his last race win possibly being here. I mean, I have no reason to, not to believe that. But I I don't know his last race win. Um, I, I know it was in the early 80s, maybe 1985. I don't know. Um, and then the, the the final one, that third one, I think is another one we can kind of talk through. So recent home Grand Prix wins for the first time. Like what, what home Grand Prix could have been won, I think is the best question. Um there's the Mexican Grand Prix, which Checo did not win or has not won. And are there any other Mexican drivers that you can think of? None. None in the I don't, I don't the think moment. there are any for me. Interlagos for Brazil. I doubt it. I would guess that Senna. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tanner just mouthed Senna. I would guess that Senna won it in like the, the early 90s. Um or something like that. So that wouldn't be it. Um, Tanner, you didn't need to mouth that. I appreciate it though. <laughs> um, we, can, we can rule out any, uh, I think like uh, the, the Austin Grand Prix. Oh, and oh, the Italian. We can rule yeah. out those. We can rule out Silverstone. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about some of the nationalities of our drivers and then where we maybe had a new, a new race for the first I wonder, time. I wonder if Monaco counts. I don't know. What Monegasque driver has won the Monaco Grand Prix? I don't think any have. I just, I don't know. Um, yeah, because I'm pretty sure Charles is the first Monegasque driver. Um, France. France is interesting. I mean, they're some famous drivers there like prost mm-hmm. um and i would guess that he won it though i don't know that they were raced at paul ricard when he was around uh and, and which i don't know if that'd be represented either way but for this one yeah i would be represented okay because they, they, there, there were like other french grand French, yeah yeah yeah, but the only thing in there, and again, this is me having spotty F1 history, is um, Germany, like Hockenheim. You know, there are a lot of big German drivers. There were a ton of big German drivers between 1998 and 2021, like Seb Vettel, Michael Schumacher, um, and so on and so forth. Ralph Schumacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> who was actually semi big, but that, that, that's kind of the glaring one for me is Germany. Um, uh, yeah. Knowing, knowing Australia, what I know. Australia. Yeah. Come Australia. on, Noah. Think you think back. We've done a two truths and a lie about Australia before. Think hard about that one. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I working my way through it, knowing that, the last race here was in 1985. Nicky Lauda was still in the sport at the time. 
unless he was like the runner up or something, I think it's true that he did win it. I feel like that would only be the mix up here on that one is like, no, he got second instead of first, but that's not a fun one. So I think it's true in this final one, even though we haven't figured out, I think there's something that we're missing here with our history. And, uh, and it is a lie in that there's been a different home winner for the first time in between the years. That's what I'm picking. Just, yeah, I, th- I think Germany is the biggest question mark for me. So I agree. I think that's the lie. Lock it right. in, Tanner. Yep. All right. Lock Locking it. it in for the second straight week. You guys are agreeing. Respect. Glad you guys are working through this together. So on this 15th rendition, two truths and a lie. Coming in to the Dutch Grand Prix. Guys, logic your way through it. You really, you really thought hard. You you listened to me give away one of my facts earlier in this podcast, and you used that to your advantage. Yes, on let's. this 15th rendition, you guys are both correct. Um, I, and I'm really glad you are because I'm the biggest idiot in the world. Uh, I'll tell you why here in a second. I'll get to my truths first. So like you guys said, you are correct. Zandvoort is one of the most historic tracks on the circuit. It does have 31 races at this circuit. It is the 10th most raced at circuit. So it cracks the top 10, but just. Um, and I, I said top 10 because top 10 is more fun than doing something stupid like top 15 or top 12. Um, so, but moving into the next one with Nikki Lauda, like you guys both said, the last time they raced here before 2021 was in 1985 and Nikki Lauda was the winner at that track. I don't recall off the top of my head what year he retired. Um, I know, I know he retired somewhat abruptly. So let me find this out, uh, really fast. Nikki Lauda retired. Well, that's not correct because that's his death year. Ouch. <laughs> Nikki Lauda retired in 1985, so he took a ceremonious end to the to his Formula One racing career, which is which is what I thought. Um, he's he was always a I'm going to put life before racing type of guy, even though he was such a fantastic driver. Um, and, and he bowed out of the sport when he was still performing at a really, really high level, um, just because he, he valued living and, and enjoying his life more than he did racing, like in a sport that he absolutely loved. And so, yes, the last winner before Max Verstappen at this track was Nicky Lauda. So that's a fun fact. The truth in my statement was that the last Grand Prix to have a home winner for the very first time was the Spanish Grand Prix. However, that took place in 2006 with Fernando Alonso taking home the victory at the Spanish Grand Prix. And the reason I'm the biggest idiot in the world is because I didn't think about this hard before we started recording. And so... I picked a who what I thought was a Spanish driver who was relatively successful off the top of my head. Pastor Maldonado is Venezuelan. Yes. 
Pastor Maldonado is Venezuelan. He did have a Formula One race win. He only had one. It was not at the Spanish Grand Prix. So, <laughs> so, so I was really worried that you guys were going to get this wrong. Not because I have, not because I don't have faith in you guys, but because I butchered my lie so badly that it just had so many lies in it, and it was just awful. So, Glad you guys I, both came away on top because I felt that. I yeah, me too. I would have felt really bad and just been, yeah. I'm ha- I'm happy it turned out the way it did, and we got it right. I'll say that. And it takes me to nine and six, so I'm feeling pretty good coming coming down the home stretch of the season. Nine and six, you should. Oh, yeah. And Noah's seven and eight. Noah's one went away from five hundred. I feel like you were just under by like three or four, not too long ago. I feel like you've had a I, quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've got two in a row here. Um, yeah. No, I, I was in the, I think I was one and four at one point. So uh, it's been a long road back. If you will, Noah's walking on sunshine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel good. Thank you for the two truths and a lie, Tanner. That that's always a highlight of my week and of recording this episode. That's always a good time to think through. But let's go to to the boots on the ground. I believe we have tumbleweed Tanner. It is tumbleweed. Okay, okay. I, that's respectable. I'll take that. That's interesting. Very southwest, yeah. S- southwest U.S. for you international listeners. Um, but. To that point, boots on the ground from Zandvoort. Am I getting orange flares in my eyes? Possibly. Um, <laughs> likely. But, likely. But to that point, Zandvoort's going to be very similar in a prediction profile to what Spa was. So it rains significantly more at Spa than it does at Zandvoort. That said, there is a decent chance of rain on both Saturday and Sunday around quality and race time. So it, it's not a far cry to say we'll we'll see rain in either qualities or the race. Um, because I butchered it so bad last week, I'm not going to promise it anymore. Like, I'm, I'm done doing that. Um, but... Uh, but it's certainly a possibility, which which would make some of these turns kind of scary, uh, I would have to think. But... All that said, it should be a very, very interesting race. If it is wet, we're going to get some crazy qualifying results. Um, I, I would absolutely predict that. It's going to be whoever can get the driest line at the end of the day, which is so, so time dependent. And so you can get some crazy results. But to that point, Zandvoort is one of the highest degradation tracks on the grid. So if it doesn't rain during race time, even though it's not one of those, you know, super, super long tracks or super, super hot races, it's just got really high tire degradation by nature of some of the bumps and some of the turns. And so I I would be surprised if we didn't at least see a two-stopper from every driver, just just by nature uh, on what goes down in, um, in the Netherlands for this race. So it should be a fun one. I'm, I'm really excited. I appreciate the weather update. I think, yeah, like you said, it's going to be an exciting race. It'll be fun. A lot to look forward to, not just with having Monday off here in the States, but looking forward to a great race on Sunday. 
With that being said, though, there's going to be a lot of action on Saturday as well with qualifying. And I'm just going to segue right into our quality predictions, whether that be an entrance into Q3 or an exit in Q1 or something with Q2 with the wild card. And I'm going to use what Noah said last week. I'm going to repeat a guy, but it's because I really liked his performance, and that's Pierre Gasly. I like him for a Q3 entrance. He performed really well after starting in the pit lane this past weekend. In addition to that, last year with Alfatari, I believe he qualified P4 as well as finished P4 at this track. So see him translating some of that success to this year. And I, I feel good about it. I'm excited to have Pierre Gasly start performing well. There's some buzz around him with Alpine, as we mentioned. So creating a bit of a narrative here with the gas, man. I'm excited for it. No reason like not it. to be. I mean, I, I, I was down on him and Alpha Tauri last week and it was pretty unfounded. So, and, and this is the week of apologies for me. So, uh, so I, I'm not even going to dismiss that fear because I don't, I won't be wrong about the same thing twice in a row. If I'm wrong, it's going to be in a different aspect. It's either high or low. It'll we're be a whole be, new thing. You might be wrong be, again, but new. I might be wrong again, but I'm not going to be low and wrong twice. That that's that's just not happening. Fair enough. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I can't predict it again because then I sound like a broken record. But I think Pierre Gasly being able to strike twice in two weeks would be awesome for his reputation, for how people look at him on the grid. I think we praised him a lot in our race reaction. Um, but I don't think that that appreciation went, went global. And I, I think another performance like last week would definitely prompt that. So, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, I guess I'll do my, uh, quality surprise now. So I have a surprise exit and where our normal surprise exits are Q1 exits. I have a Q2 exit. So I picked a driver. Who normally makes Q3, but I think he's going to miss it this week. I chose Tanner's favorite driver, Esteban Alcon, to miss Q3, get out during Q2. It's happened a couple times before this season. Uh, not crazy popular, but I think it'd be surprising, given the way he's been performing, given the way the Alpine car has been performing. I think... It'd be a shock, but I think it's possible, right? Like, I think McLaren could qualify ahead. You know, Lando Norris typically qualifies ahead of them. Daniel Ricciardo performs well every once in a while. And then and then so do other drivers. Sometimes Botas pulls something out of his ass, um, pun intended. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, that's my quality surprise. Tanner, I'll throw it to you. Thoughts? You threw me off, man. I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, okay, I, I have several things to say because because I this is this is coming from a place of pure. I, I don't think it's coming from a place of logic. I think it's coming from a place of meanness and think cruelty. <laughs> um, but that said, um, I, I I don't. Uh, the only way I can see this as a possibility is because this is a a more uh, high downforce track than 
spa is and so the alpine won't succeed as much at this track that said might i remind you sir that esteban alcon qualified in p4 last week not p5 not p6 not p7 he qualified in p4 he's coming into a race with his second engine he started last race in p16 and pulled off two double overtakes to come back up into p7 that was such a good race and now you're down on him right after it we gotta celebrate the wins man i don't know and to uh, say uh, that Daniel Ricardo is going to perform better than him just hurts. You that's you a, took it out. You took the words out of my mouth. I was about to cut you off and say, "I'm going to go with Noah on this." Danny Rick is going to outqualify Esteban Ocon this weekend. We're going to get maybe some news between this episode coming out and the race. It's going to lift weight off of Daniel Ricardo's shoulders, and bam, he's going to have great qualifying. I'm not going to say he's going to get points. But who at least out qualify Ocon? I'll I'll join that hot take. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I feel attacked. I feel attacked. And, He's getting and... out qualified by his teammate anyway. <laughs> hey man, he out qualified his teammate, and he didn't even need to care about qualifying last week. That's how fast he is. Bestie, bestie. <sighs> That's because he's not willing to give his teammate a toe like every other good teammate on the grid. He gave him a toe. Watch out! <laughs> Hey, Did you some... watch qualifying? Oh my goodness! This well, guy. We we tapes. put our chips. We put our chips against something. What what are you backing for quali as a surprise, Tanner? Well, this is the week. I'm making my rounds. I'm making some apologies. I'm owning up to my my mistakes, and I, I, I'm really humble about them. Which is <laughs> just funnier every time I repeat it. Um. So. So with that, last week I predicted that one Kevin Magnuson would make it into Q3. Now, not only did I decide to make my quality surprise about Kevin Magnuson again, but instead of last week, I decided to say that he would be a surprise Q1 exit. The Haas were the worst performing car, not only in terms of results, but also in terms of expectations last week. They... They were bad, and Kevin Magnuson was bad, and it was not fun to watch, and it was really discouraging for all all the Haas fans out there who who want to see them come home with a P6 or a P7 in the Constructor Championship because the guys that they're competing with in in Aston Martin to, to name one, not Alfa Romeo because they had an awful race, um, they they showed up, and so it was concerning for Haas, and I think. This race is going to be concerning for them too. It's, it's, I don't know. There, there, there's one Haas driver I'll, I won't root against, and that's Mick Schumacher, because uh, he might be at Alpine next year. So we're we're on the Mick Love train for a Mick Lovin train. Wow, I I just did that uh, for for a little while now. Look at you. Fair enough. I'll say this: with all the names floating out, I feel like there's a chance I might be racing for them next year. You never know. Feel like they're just they're looking for anyone right now, and I just let's throw Lance Ellington out there as a possibility. I think that sounds like a good pairing, Lance Ellington and Esteban Ocon. You could do something there. Close. Like maybe that. maybe they want a, a a humble driver pairing. So Tanner Hicks and Esteban. Oh, I'll stop. God. I'm done. Yeah, that's enough from you. 
but yeah, Kevin Magnuson out in Q1. I mean, it's possible. Um, you you t- talked about not wanting to bet against Mick Schumacher. I think he outqualifies Mick Schumacher. He usually does. And um, so that hurts him. think if it's, again, if it's wet, then all bets are off. So um, I got no clue. I never know what to expect with Haas. So it's hard for me to predict surprises or anything for that matter but yeah Lance what do you think uh well we'll see what happens I could make some joke how he didn't race here last year since he wasn't on the grid and maybe he's going to be taking in the sides too much to to put in any flying laps so so we'll see I don't think it's the craziest take but it yeah uh, it's a good surprise I'll give you props on that nice well well, that uh, I, I'm ready to hear some some fun bets from our guy, Big Bucky Ellington. It, Your true calling, my true calling. This is why I have to turn down the the lucrative contract I got from Alpine because I got this job and I'm just making too much money betting already. And we had a good week last week. We talked about the winning margin at 10 seconds. Max Verstappen almost won by 20 seconds. So very happy about that. That was a plus 105 bet. And let me just start off with that. I was going to hold it, but I'll just move forward. Looking forward into this weekend, I'm looking at that winning margin yet again. Over 10 seconds is currently plus 120 for the winner of the Grand Prix to win by over 20 seconds. And I think, or by over 10 seconds. And I think that's great odds. There's a lot of money to be made there, especially if we're thinking Max Verstappen yet again is going to be out front. Just a year ago when he was racing against Lewis Hamilton in that Mercedes, he won by 21 seconds here at this track. And he lapped everybody but two racers. I expect him to have another great race as long as he has no reliability and no crashes. I think Max Verstappen is going to win this Grand Prix by over 10 seconds, and that's why I think he should be betting the plus 120. Noah, any thoughts there? Over 20 seconds? Over over 10 seconds. Oh, over 10. Yeah, he, go for he it. Won, he won by over 20 seconds last year. I keep. I might have been switching it up there. That's my Oh, uh, no, I don't think you were. I think I just wasn't listening hard enough. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I think that's a safe bet more than anything based off of his driving last week i mean how could you how could you bet against that this time he doesn't have to start in 14th place like i think it's a good bet pump pump money into it pump your whole fan duel balance like that's solid <laughs> well all i have to say is i'm i'm relishing the day where we had an optimistic noah because any anyone with any sort of optimism what whatsoever would have said you're out of your mind if you think Charles Leclerc is going to get beaten that bad but instead we have a dejected loser mentality Noah who's who's saying yeah put your entire bankroll on Max Verstappen winning by over 10 seconds and embarrassing the rest of the grid well well Tanner Max is in the fastest car on the grid as you let everyone know earlier oh yeah that, that that's yeah. that's widely proclaimed that that's a known Tanner. fact Right? Does Red Bull have the fastest car? That, 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 that's basically in an encyclopedia at this point. <laughs> I'm glad you guys like that bet. 
let's let's go ahead and make some money on that. No, I appreciate your support there because I don't know how you're going to feel about this next bet I'm going to tee up. I'm not even putting yeah. it against anything. I don't know how I'm going to feel, and I don't even know what it is. Last week, I talked about these head-to-head bets that we're now allowed to do at my choice of bookie. And you can choose Lewis Hamilton or George Russell. Who's going to finish hot? You can choose Fernando Alonso or Esteban no, Ocon. leave the room. Who's going to finish higher? Leave the room. <laughs> In... In the last nine races, the last nine rounds of Formula One, Leclerc has only finished ahead of Carlos Sainz one time in the last nine, only (laughs) twice in the last ten. Carlos Sainz is plus 152 to finish ahead of Charles Leclerc to do something he's done eight of the nine last races. Noah. Plus 152. Are you going to tell people do not make money? No. Or, yep. I'm going to tell people to watch out for their best interest and not bet on this. (laughs) But this is bet on the driver. Bet on the driver. But, but Noah, we've all announced at, at the start of this podcast that we're all going to make a concerted effort to put facts and logic. And, and, and truth that. behind our that. predictions going. I never said that. <laughs> that was you and Lance. I never said that. Well, I think I don't think those too happy with me, even with the logical and stats I threw behind it. Tanner, can I get <laughs> some support from you here on this? We're talking plus 152. Formula One is not one to give people nice odds. I genuinely can't believe that stat. I'm so shocked. It's so funny. To me, it shouldn't be funny. I like Carlos Sainz, and that's why it's funny. Uh, no, it's not the only reason why it's funny. But <laughs> but um, would I bet on it? Ugh. It's a tough one. Quite frankly, no, I wouldn't bet on it. But I mean, hey, hey. at the same point, it's it's very solid odds, which is which is nice. And the, the, the bigger concern I would argue isn't necessarily the talent gap between Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, because obviously Carlos Sainz is just, you know, he to one. I mean, come on. <laughs> but the bigger concern I would argue is that Charles Leclerc is racing on a new, for all intents and purposes, a new engine. It's one race old, which is, you know, leaps and bounds above what Carlos Sainz is racing on. Uh, and that makes a huge difference in car performance. It doesn't matter how talented a driver is. If his engine is old and it's worn down, then he's going to struggle compared to his teammate. So it, it's one that I would be scared of, but it's it's kind of entertaining. These head-to-heads are fun, man. I just, I you guys make good points. And I agree. I think Charles Leclerc is the better driver than Carlos Sainz. But there's just a black cloud over Charles Leclerc right now. And I hate to say that and admit that. He's unlucky. And we could have been making money off his unluckiness. So now I'm going to say it. And who knows? Maybe now Charles Leclerc wins it. And I've turned the page by putting it out there in the universe. So you may thank me for this, Noah, come reaction time. Just keep that in mind. Okay. I will. <laughs> oh, he's not happy with me, guys. He's not happy. Uh- <laughs> uh, my final... Final bet I want to discuss before we get into our podium predictions. 
is points finish. This is always a fun one to talk about some guys who are long shots for points. We saw a lot of parody in spa between what drivers and what teams got up there. Thanks to all those grid penalties. Two of those drivers were Pierre Gasly and Sebastian Vettel. We've hyped up Pierre Gasly a bit this episode. Have not talked a ton about Vettel and his performance in that Aston Martin. Even in quality, he did all right. Pierre Gasly is sitting at plus 115 for the points. Sebastian Vettel is sitting at plus 120 for the points. Tanner, which driver do you like more? Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> I, I said this is a podcast of me going back on, on my past opinions, but quite frankly, I, I'm also, a like I said, a stubborn, a dig-in-your-haunches type of guy. Uh, and and I, I've, on, I'm on the record saying I don't believe in Alpha Tauri to a large extent, and I do believe in the progress that Aston Martin is making. And so for that reason, I'm going to say Seb Vettel. I also really believe in Seb Vettel as a driver. Not not to say, not for any, you know, snuff to Pierre Gasly, but Seb Vettel's on a retirement tour, and it's not a I'm complacent retirement tour. It's a I'm going to tear up the rest of the grid as much as I possibly can type of retirement tour. So, no, I, I, I expect Seb Vettel out of those two to have a better chance at points um, for for all the reasons I just said. I I. I I feel pretty strongly about it. I wish it was better odds than plus 120, um, but I, I could certainly see it happening. I, I've got a take to add on top of of that, um, and I wish you could parlay this together, but F1's a little finicky on parlays. Um, I think Pierre Gasly will out-qualify Seb Vettel, but Seb Vettel will beat him in the race. I don't know if that means points, but I but – that I'm saying that I would bet on Seb Vettel at the plus 120. Um, I think the Aston Martin has better race pace. I think Pierre Gasly was on the best strategy on, had the best strategy on the grid. And that's why he finished in the points. That's not always going to happen. No matter how smart your strategists are having the smartest strategy on the grid oftentimes means three other teams have that strategy. Uh, and, and frankly, Pierre Gasly was fortunate to be the only one with that in, uh, in Spa. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, that's my take. I think take the uh, Seb Vettel plus 120. Gotcha. I think I'm in agreement with you guys here. I can see both happening individually. I don't see another weekend where they're both in the points. I will throw that out. Would not take both. Vettel's on his tour. That's more exciting. Gasly might be getting a promotion, so I'm going to want to back Vettel here. But for the bet of the week, we're going to go with the winning margin over 10 seconds at plus 120. We're recording this on the Monday night of race week, so the earlier you listen to these pods, the closer you can be to the live odds that we talk about and make some money. I know our friend Wesley friend of the pod is definitely going to be taking these plus 120 odds he's a big better himself and he's going to be making some money so you guys should all do the same but that's all i have on bets for zandervoort let's talk about our podium predictions because i think we were pretty tame last week we had some exciting stuff nothing too crazy do any of you want to kick us off with what you got for the podium prediction this weekend I can't. I can't kick it off up for that. I mean, you you played it up to be exciting, and I'm 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 not excited about mine. 
Well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start with my, I'll start with mine. And I'm also going to start from the front because that's the boring part. So I can, I can ramp up in excitement, right? Uh, you know, it's all about rise, right? No fall. Um, so, so P1, I got Max. I can't bet against him. I, I can't, you know, the logic, sure. We're doing logic now. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't bet against Max Verstappen right now. So I've got him in P1. In P2, though, I do have Charles Leclerc on a fresh engine. I think, you know, Sergio Perez did beat Carlos Sainz by a bit, but I don't believe in Sergio Perez right now, especially with this fresh setup for Red Bull. It kind of goes against his driving style, and I think that seriously hurts his abilities to to catch up with Max. So I have Charles Leclerc finishing in P2. In a shock P3, though, I have George Russell. You might expect a Ferrari or a Red Bull driver there. No, I wanted George Russell. I think, you know, he was really close to getting a podium last week. And I think it's time for him to get back to the podium. I think he's been putting in results after result. And I, I would love to see him back there. Again, maybe that part is emotions. but And so is Leclerc. But here we are. I hate you. I hate you. So much because oh. I, I wrote down the same podium. Oh my god. Like place place for place. Um which is you yeah. have any I, new takes? <laughs> yeah, no, I do have new takes actually. <laughs> that, that, that's well put. That's well put. Um one not new take is that Max Verstappen is in the fastest car. Uh I'll I'll say that again just for people who didn't hear my apology. Um but that said. Uh, no, I, I think Charles Leclerc is going to come with home with P2 and, you know, for the point that you mentioned with the new engine, that's going to go a long way. But also, like all jokes aside, he's one of the more talented drivers on the grid. He he's waiting for a performance to come back like that. He He's really due. Uh, and the, and I, I've said time and time again, this is my favorite thing to look at when I'm planning for for races is whether or not it's a high or a low downforce track and Ferrari throughout this entire season they've excelled at high downforce tracks with a lot of a lot of emphasis on on corners and turning uh whereas the red bull has excelled at tracks that emphasize low downforce that emphasize high straight line speed and really fast top speeds um this is a track that emphasizes high downforce so i think ferrari is going to excel here so i have charles leclerc in p2 in P3, I also have one Georgie Russell. Uh, <laughs> you guys you guys touted him for having a great race uh, last week, which I think was fully, fully deserved. He did have a great race. It was one of those classic 2022 George Russell. I'm going to have an under-the-radar really, really strong race. Um, and one interesting thing that you guys said last podcast that, that really caught my attention was that you thought that if – that if ah, excuse me if mercedes catch ferrari it will largely or it could largely be on the back of george russell and at the time when i heard it i was like you guys are out of your mind i I don't think that's fair at all uh but i thought harder and honestly like the dude's been so consistent and so strong all season and you know they, they they have to get podiums every once in a while it's it's just something that continues and continues to happen because their drivers are 
it's it's the strongest driver pairing on the grid in my opinion um and, and they really set themselves apart from any of the number two drivers at red bull or ferrari so with that said i do have george russell taking home p3 with a strong car um that should excel again at a high downforce track that doesn't have to focus as much on straight line speed gotcha yes had some solid podiums there I'll be honest, I have three teams on my podiums as well. A little bit different drivers, though. Some exciting stuff. I will start at the top. It's a washer, sweep, whatever word you want to use. We have Max Verstappen coming home with the win again. Fastest car. I thoroughly believe that. Moving down, since you've hit that point a bunch, I have a guy who's going to be returning to the podium from last week. I think he's, he's going to start doing pretty good here. It's going to be surprising. We have Carlos Sainz coming home in P2. It's going to be exciting stuff. I hyped him up in the head-to-head stuff, and we'll see. I, I like it. Something's going to happen to Charles Leclerc. I think he's going to finish the race. I hate predicting that, but I feel like I have to if I'm assuming Carlos Sainz finishes ahead of him because with no incidents and no strategy issues, I do believe Charles Leclerc is the better driver, so I will admit to that. Finishing off my podium, I also have Mercedes making a return, but I have Lewis Hamilton popping back up, going from his long podium streak heading into summer break to having not even being able to finish one lap of the race now to back on the podium. It just makes sense. It feels right. They do have the pace in that car. Do not know what happened last week. We even saw George Russell competing for a podium. Who knows what would have happened if Lewis Hamilton didn't have that incident where he may have been able to finish uh, in Spa. So that that rounds it out. I have Verstappen signs Hamilton. You guys combined went Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell. All that means is maybe we're going to get a surprise podium this week. Something outside the top three teams. Boy, would I love that. I wouldn't even be upset if it was an Alpine driver. I wouldn't be upset if it was a non-McLaren. I would love to see a new podium. Uh, a new team up there on that podium. That would be wonderful. Always. We love some variability. And I, I, I like that you have Lewis up there too. I, I almost put him on my podium. Um, and and one thing I like, I, I want to call out, because it's something that we've talked about throughout this entire season with a lot of the teams that are, are having to worry about the cost cap and the budget cap this year, as far as repairing any wrecks go and 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 really replacing any parts. Mercedes has been the most reliable car all season. Those drivers very, very, very rarely crash. Yes, Lewis made an awful mistake last week, but he doesn't have to come into this race with any reservations. They still are well within the cost cap. They're still well within any any repair job caps that any other teams are having to worry about because they've been so reliable, because they've been so consistent. And so... I don't expect any drop-off from Lewis Hamilton this week where you might expect a drop-off from a driver uh, coming straight off of a a crash that he caused. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like the podiums, guys, Uh, especially yours, Tanner. I mean, that that was just really insightful. (laughs) Um, Great minds, man. Great minds. But, yeah, looking forward to this race. It was a really fun one last year. I know we saw – we saw some Alpine battling here last year, I think. I seem to remember Fernando Alonso high on turn one with, with Esteban Alcon trying to go under and uh, Alonso closing the door on him, I think, twice. It, it, was, it was a fun one. 
Maybe Man. we'll see it again. Teammate teammate racing is is so much fun to watch if you're a non-Alpine fan. <laughs> the, well, two, the two drivers have no regard for the the money spent by their team on any repairs. I agree teammate racing is fun to watch. Doesn't happen often for McLaren because I think the drivers are in two different cars, supposedly. One of them is in like a Honda Civic while the other one's actually in a Formula One car. And I'll let people decide who I'm talking about there. But anyway, with the shots being fired at the end of the podcast, that is our Dutch Grand Prix race preview. A lot of words in our titles. It was a lot of fun. This was a good episode. If you're still listening, we really appreciate it. We mentioned it earlier. I'll say it one last time. If you haven't checked out our House of Red Bull episode, a great title, if I say so myself, reacting to the Spa Grand Prix, the Belgian Grand Prix, we do have that available. So check that out. If you'd like to support the podcast, the two best things are give us a five-star review and word of mouth. Tell a friend about it. This is a great time to get into Formula One with two more races in a row coming off of a third race or coming off of that first race. So definitely pass us along. To catch all the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at F1 Wheel to Wheel. And that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the Wheel to Wheel F1 podcast.